Hey guys, welcome back to Along for the Ride. I'm so sorry that I missed you last week. Things were just kind of crazy and I didn't have time to sit down and record and then edit an episode. So we skipped a week. Hopefully that won't be the case going forward, but you never know. Life just gets in the way. But we're back. It's Tuesday and let's talk about anxiety. I really don't even know where to begin with this one. I feel like it's a behemoth beast and there's so many different things we could talk about, but I know I've been pretty straightforward with sharing my experience and dealing with anxiety in my life pretty openly on the blog and on Instagram. So I get a lot of, I guess, questions about it. And when I've asked what people want to hear about, I've gotten this a number of times. So Again, I'm not an expert. I'm not a mental health professional, but it's something that I've dealt with my entire 29 years of life. And yeah, I I just guess we'll kind of talk about it and I can share some kind of coping mechanisms that have really helped me and different kind of breakthroughs that I've had over the years. So when it comes to managing my anxiety, I would say routines are the biggest thing for me. They help me feel settled and feel in control. And to be honest, I didn't have this like breakthrough realization until this past October when I was on remote year. I think I talked about this in one of the first kind of catch up episodes and maybe even on the blog, but October was a month from hell essentially. And I ended up seeing a therapist in Medellin, Colombia on one of my last nights there. So I only saw her once and then I was going, planning on seeing her via Skype sessions after that, but I didn't, not really for any specific reason. Like I feel like I forgot to like send her my paperwork and then like the months were just moving by so fast. I didn't even have time really to like sit and do that. And I was doing a lot better the next month. So I was kind of just waiting it out. So I was back in Chicago and back with my therapist here, but she was great. I have her name and contact info. She does Skype sessions. You know, if you're looking for somebody that takes like a very like holistic approach, I really, really liked her. Um, I could see myself like contacting her in the future as well, or if you're in Columbia too, but Anyway, major tangent. She really was the first person. And it's one of those things that, you know, somebody might say something to you a hundred times, but you just like don't get it until somebody says it to you like a specific way, you know? But it was the therapist in Medellin. It was for the first time that I understood how important routines were. I've always felt that I needed this routine and felt the most grounded, but I never really knew why or never really attributed that to managing anxiety, but it's so true. I remember when I used to, let's take living in New York, for example, and you know, I'd kind of have an idea of how I wanted my morning to go to get everything done, to get to work on time and things I needed to do. And when things would go not according to plan, or if I would wake up late, even still, if I wake up late, It used to be that my whole day was shot. I mean, I couldn't turn it around. I've gotten a lot better now. You can turn around your day at any point in time and not letting the whole day feel derailed. But I mean, it used to be so bad that like I would let it derail my week, you know, if like one thing went off plan. And I didn't really realize at the time that that was more so 
anxiety thing. I kind of just thought that I was like a control freak, which sure, like I definitely think that I've learned a lot to like relinquish control in the last few years. But anyway, I never really realized how much the routine thing was attributed to anxiety. And she was kind of the first person that made me realize that. And I was like, okay, yes, this makes sense. This makes sense why I feel so much better when I have routines. And when I'm out of my routine, I feel like the world is upside down. And so that is something that's really helped me. Even if it's just a few things, right? You don't have to have this morning routine that's two hours, you know, like first I stretch and then I meditate and then I blah, 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 blah. Or before bed, even just a few things. So I would say like my nighttime routine isn't that I really don't have one in a sense of like, I leave my phone in my kitchen. So I like plug it in and then I go to my room, like when I'm going to bed and I'll either read, but I always end the night with at least doing my five minute journal, if not more journaling. So that is kind of like a good way for me to just feel like I'm turning off for the day. And that's something that like if I try to go to bed and not have that little like turn off time, I like can't sleep. So that is something that helps like wind me down. And my current morning routine is getting up, making celery juice, then going back to my room, journaling, doing a little bit of reading and kind of like more spiritual check-in with this book that I mentioned, I think last week, it's called May Cause Miracles. And that's kind of like my morning routine. It's not big. Like there's, I've had so many different versions of morning routine too, whether it's like hot water with lemon. For me, if I start the morning on more of like a calm, cool, and collected, like more of a slow, easy start. If I have something in the morning, I'm waking up so many hours before I need to be there because I need to have that slow start. It just helps me feel grounded and be able to like operate from a place of ease throughout the day. I don't really know how else to say it. I've also gone through times where getting up and getting out of the house first thing in the morning was what lit me up and set me up for success. Whether that's running out to grab a coffee and then even when I would make coffee at home and just like, even if it's walking around the block, it was like something about the fresh air, getting that like morning walk was my thing for a while, a few years ago. And that's the thing too, is like what's hard is we're constantly changing, we're constantly evolving. As human beings, we're on earth. Everything is always changing, right? So that can be frustrating at times. Like what might have worked for a while then like isn't kind of having the same effect and it's kind of like refiguring out what that is. So say for example, for me finding my calm. A year ago, it was taking baths were my like number one thing. That's how I would like de-stress. I would probably take a bath like every day. Sometimes I take them in the morning, always at one at night, maybe an additional one in the morning. Like there was something about like getting in water that just like instantly calms me down and was like my reset button. So when I moved out of my place last summer in July, the only bathtub at my brother's house when I was staying with them was like the kid's tub and it's like filled with like Barbies and bath toys and things. It wasn't ever going to take a bath in there. And then on remote year, I never had a bath. And 
then yeah, once I got back in here at the end of January, I don't, I don't know. Like it hasn't been the same for me. That was like the thing I was looking forward to the most. And I've taken like a handful in the two months that I've been here. I don't know what it is. I don't know what's changed. Like I still really love the idea. I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is, to be honest. I wish I had like a bigger soaking tub, but I just, I don't know. They aren't, for whatever reason, I can't even put my finger on it. Baths aren't doing what they used to do for me. So I'm kind of just having to like recalibrate and figure out what my new method of finding my calm is. And I'm really excited it's warming up in Chicago because taking walks, I feel like I'm posting this on stories all the time or talking about it all the time, but I live in the Gold Coast, so I'm very close to the lake and lake walks are my jam. Again, it's kind of that like water thing. Like I am happiest like while submerged in water or by water. It's weird. I'm not a water sign either. I don't know if that even makes a difference, but I am a... I'm a Virgo, so that's a earth sign, I think. Actually, speaking of that, like a little tangent, I just listened to an episode on Girls Gotta Eat and they had an astrologer on there. And if you're really interested in learning about astrology, the woman they had on like totally breaks it down in the basics. And I like understand so much more about that after listening, even though it's something I've kind of been into before. So highly recommend that. I'll put a link in the show notes. But yeah, so lake walks are my jam. I do this lap and it takes me about 35 to 45 minutes, depending if I kind of like sit and chill for like maybe five, 10 minutes, just sitting near the lake with the view of the skyline. It's just like my favorite thing. And sometimes I'll listen to podcasts. Sometimes I'll listen to music. And sometimes, honestly, I'll just walk plain and let my thoughts kind of wander. I would say most of the time I'm not listening to music or a podcast. It is like my time to just like, I mean, I have silence a lot, but it is my time for no other like stimulation where I can't be like reading. And I don't even like to be on my phone. Sometimes I'll like put on airplane mode. There've been times that I've like brought a notebook with me to like write when I'm sitting out there. Sometimes I'll make notes in my phone. It just, it just kind of depends. But my lake walks are really my thing. And when it's cold, it's just like miserable even with like a heavy coat and everything and because by the lake this time of year the breeze and the wind is just like icy cold so even if it says it's like 40 some or 50 degrees like it seems like it should be kind of warm by the lake it just still feels like it's below freezing at times and it's it can be hard so I'm really waiting and crossing my fingers and I actually think this weekend it's supposed to be in the higher 50s so I'm like maybe I can get some lake walks in. So those for me is kind of my way of like finding my calm and honestly I do it every day. Every day that it's nice out like in the summer I'm taking a lake walk. I feel like that can sound like I definitely have the luxury of time in that sense but you know I just look at it like I don't have a commute you know where I'm out walking or whatever and it's not even about like getting steps in. That's an added bonus but that is what I need whether I'm doing it at night or during the day in the afternoon when I need to clear my head I it's almost like a moving meditation for me it's funny because there's this it's called philosopher's path in Kyoto Japan and why they call it that and it's like along this river and there's these cherry blossoms that if you're there at the right time 
that are beautiful. And they call it philosopher's path because these philosophers used to like walk along this path and like supposedly have, you know, these thoughts. And I do think that that's a thing. I've actually listened to a TED talk about that this woman, I think it was when, oh, I can't remember her name or even what the TED, I think it was a creativity TED talk. If I can find it again, I will put that link in the show notes as well. But she basically talked about how when she was on maternity leave, every day she would take this afternoon walk and maybe 30 minutes without her phone and how her creativity would just like swell during these walks. And it's about kind of taking that time, disconnecting from your phone. And it is kind of like a sort of like moving meditation where you're not focused on like meditating or anything, but you're just kind of like in nature, having more of these like creative downloads and things like that. But anyway, so that that's kind of that for me. And finding the calm, like exercise, I think is another form of a moving meditation for me. I think that that's why I enjoy a class setting. I've always said like I work by myself and alone so much of the day. Workout classes are like my social outing of the day. And it, sure, I think that's part of it, but I think so much of what it is for me is... I'm just like following instructions. I'm not thinking, I'm not like at the gym, like, okay, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this. It's like, no, I I just have to get there on time. A, workout classes also hold you accountable. And there's so many times that I would skip my workout if I wasn't going to be like charged additionally if I didn't go like ClassPass does or you know, I'm losing out on like $34 like SoulCycle does. So yeah, I like classes for various reasons, but I think why once I discovered workout classes, I was like, oh my God, this is my thing is because you don't have to think and you're just there and you're able to like zone out, especially when you're on a bike, like you can't really like mess that up and you're just, it it is like a moving meditation for me, like a spin class. I know that sounds wild, but even when I was on remote year, like everyone always asked what my favorite month was. And it was month three in Bogota, even though as a city, Bogota was my least favorite, like as a city and what it had to offer. But I had the best month that month and I was going to a spin class every day and I was in a routine. And I think that that's why I just like thrived that much. I had my routine. I would go to spin, get coffee on the way home, get ready. We would buy this park so I got to like walk through this park on the way there it just my routine just worked and when my routine works and I I think especially the spin class thing had an element too it sounds so like basic bitch of me but it's the truth like for me it is like a moving meditation and then yeah I guess regular meditation I'll be honest like I go through ebbs and flows with it if you're just starting out in meditation I think that like headspace or a similar app is where it's at, or going to a meditation studio because it holds you accountable. You can't like get up and walk around. Whereas if you're trying to do it in your house, and I think it's like the art of going there, like gets me in the mind, but going to a meditation studio daily is not necessarily realistic. Even for me and my flexible schedule, like I've never been able to do that. But I think just getting in the habit of learning to meditate, it's very easy to do with more of like a guided situation, whether that's guided through headspace or guided in person. And like I've recommended before doing some light stretching or light yoga before you sit down to meditate to kind of transition from like busyness to stillness, a little bit of, you know, that area in between is nice and kind of helps my mind, helps my body prep. 
What else? What else? I feel like I got on kind of a tangent there, but yeah, I think I was talking about like routines and yeah, when we were on remote year, every month we moved, the beginning was hard for me because I just feel a little off because I wasn't in like my new routine. I was in a different space. I wasn't in my element yet. I didn't like really have my like places figured out. And I wrote more about that on the blog, like how that kind of helps me feel settled. But I do think that that's kind of anxiety based. And so it's interesting, like routines and structure help me, but like I'm self-employed and I also kind of have this side of me that is like anti-structure. So it's interesting, but I will say in working for myself, I really do function best when there is a lot of structure in my day and week. So that is a constant focus for me, making sure I, I'm creating that structure for myself and I have to be very mindful of that. You know, if I have a empty day where I haven't planned out what I'm going to do that day, it can be the end of the day. I'm like, what have I done? Because I just kind of feel like lost and unproductive without putting that structure in place. So that's where like time batching or calendar blocking comes in. You know, the night before, I'll usually plan out my next day of like, okay, when am I going to work out or what meetings do I have? And those other free blocks, I like plan it out. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do emails at this time. I'm going to write at this time. It took it just kind of help keep myself on track because I do function best, you know, when there is a little bit more structure. I, I feel like it feels like an ad at this point, how much I talk about like the productivity planner, but that's a huge help with me too, with just staying focused and creating structure because out of the million things that I need to do, it makes me focus on like, what are the top three that day? And when I feel productive and don't feel so scattered, that's when I feel my best. So it's kind of just finding the tools and things that help me just stay calm, cool, and collected rather than a frenzied anxiety mess. And I guess when it comes to schedule, like, I don't know, I guess this is just more so of like creating structure for myself. But when you do work for yourself, it can be hard how you figure out how to fill your days. I've kind of found Mondays, I don't schedule anything. And I actually talked about this on the blog last week. I had to schedule a photo shoot last Monday and it it did, it fucked with my first few days of the week, to be honest, because I was just out of my typical weekly routine and felt, it just felt off. I was able to like turn that around by like Tuesday afternoon, but still it's, it's hard. So Mondays I usually reserve for myself and my work and like my computer, if that makes sense. So I don't have meetings if I can avoid them. Don't have shoots, don't have anything like that. I write, I get set up for the week. I get, I get a lot of my content really done on Mondays. So, you know, you start the week usually on like a more energized note. And, you know, by the end of the week, like Wednesday, Thursday, it can feel hard for me to write. Like I'm, my energy is a little bit lower and I need that recharging. So it's hard for me to like crank out 2000 words about something by the end of the week. So really the beginning of the week for me is key when it comes to that. And that's going to take trial and error, right? Like everybody's different and you have to just find what works for you. And honestly, 
that's kind of the hardest part is because it does take work to figure that out. And then meetings, usually like Tuesday, Thursday. If I have to shoot, usually it's Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday in there. But you know, if I have meetings like Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday, I'll kind of need like another computer day. Like I have to balance it out both from like a energy perspective and just balancing my time with having in-person things and then more of my solo on my computer actually getting shit done time. And then Fridays are usually a little bit more lax for me. I just feel like with my job, whether it's the podcast or Instagram stories even, or, you know, writing so much, like I, it is like I'm constantly pouring energy out and I need to recharge. I, it sounds kind of silly, but I, I do feel drained, you know, and from even Instagram DMs and constantly emailing, like there's just so much of like this give and take energy exchange. And by like Friday, I just need to like zone the F out before I can even like think about the weekend. So like Friday afternoons, I usually go to Soul Cycle over lunch and take a few hours for myself after that, whether I'm doing anything Friday night or not. And then I always try to take one, at least one full day on the weekend, either Saturday or Sunday, depending on plans, which doesn't always happen, to not do any work. And then realistically, I will work a half or a full day of one of the other days. It's just how I balance. Not every, you know, some weekend I might be traveling or whatever, so it's different. But that's kind of how I generally plan my week and account for that. But I am very mindful of like the structure of my week when I'm scheduling meetings and all of that. It's interesting, even as I hear myself say all this, like my problem is not solely anxiety. I definitely struggle with ADHD as well. I have never been tested. I will say that, but I've all, it's always been something. I remember when I was maybe like 20, 20 or 21, somewhere in there, I read this article. It was either in like Cosmo or, I mean, it was in person in in a magazine and I tore it out and I would bet you that I still have that article somewhere because I was like, holy shit. It was just wild. It was about how a lot of women go through their whole lives not knowing that they have ADD or ADHD and realizing it later in life just because, you know, you can be like high functioning and have that. And I think that that's me. I actually had a conversation with my mom recently about it because she's always kind of thought that she had it. And she's like, yeah, we had both of your brothers tested. And I know my youngest brother has it. I'm not sure about my middle brother. I think that he might have too, but I don't know if he was ever on like medication for it. But she's like, yeah, I guess we just never really like had you tested because I'd sent her this article that my friend Fernando had sent me. And he's like, he's always struggled with ADHD. He sent it to me and he's like, Jess, I think you need to read this. And I, I'd never felt more seen. I was shocked reading it. And so much of what I generally contribute to like anxiety in my life, I think might actually be ADHD. And like I said, I've never been tested, but I wholeheartedly like know that I struggle with it to some degree. And you know, it, yeah, it does come back to that high functioning thing. That article that I read 10 years ago that I always got good grades in school. So it's like you only, it was usually if you had like a problem in school, your teachers would be like, oh, they there might be something going on. We might need to test from this and this whole thing. But, you know, I always got good grades and I never had trouble in school and I always 
did my best. But my mom's kind of told me these stories of now, you know, that we've kind of openly been more so talking about it, telling me these stories that just like probably weren't normal for a kid, you know, how I would get like so worked up about things. And I I think I've truly struggled with anxiety from a very young age. And so reading this article, I feel like even right now when I'm talking about this, I I feel like all over the place, this article, actually, I'm just going to pull it up because it was wild. Everything that I've attributed to anxiety in my life, it was basically saying that's what it's like with an ADHD brain. And so there are times that I can kind of tell the difference now, you know, when it's just like the monkey brain spiraling, I can kind of like attribute that to ADHD. But there are other times when it's like with the fear and panic mixed in that's more so anxiety-based. So I don't know. It's hard. I even, I brought this up with my therapist and we, we had a long conversation about it. And she's like, I mean, you can definitely get tested for ADHD and talk about medication with them, you know, but I've taken ADHD medication in the past. And while it definitely helps me with focus, it increases my anxiety so much. And my therapist was like a hundred percent. And that's what so many of my clients deal with is it's like, okay, if I want to tackle my ADHD, the medicine gives me anxiety. And and I'm generally more so in the no medication boat. So I'm really trying to just do everything I can to just kind of like self remedy and more of like a holistic approach of changing my lifestyle. But sometimes I'm just like, would it be better? I don't know. But I'm just going to bring up this article Okay, I'm just going to read the beginning of it. It says, I've always sought comfort in familiar things. I rewatch the same TV shows. I reread the same books. I listen to the same songs for months on end. My routine isn't about scheduling. It's about having a short list of familiar activities. It feels as if I'm trying to escape my own spinning brain. No two people with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, present the exact same way, but there are commonalities. The vast majority of adults with ADHD, for instance, aren't hyperactive on the outside, but on the inside, which side note, that reminds me so much of that duck analogy. Have I talked about that on here? That I feel like a duck is my spirit animal because like on the outside, like you seem so like you're just floating along breezily, but on the inside, you are like or under the water, like ducks are just like paddling their little legs, like freaking the fuck out. That is me to a T. And I've always like attribute that to anxiety, not ADHD, but who knows? So anyway, back to the article. The moment my head touches a pillow, my brain starts doing somersaults. Intrusive thoughts rear their ugly heads. Remember when you made that girl in sixth grade cry because you wouldn't stop poking her? Remember when you said shit happens in that job interview? Oh, remember that time you drank too much champagne on a date and ran out of the Hunger Games crying. Most often though, it's half-baked big ideas that turn my mind into a clown car. Ideas for work, ideas for a new book, ideas for the nursery for a baby who doesn't exist yet. The world is full of endless possibilities to contemplate and my brain has no idea where to put them all. They just tumble around and they're like balls in a lottery machine. Fucking preach. Like that is my life. Like I carry around notebooks. You should see the post-its on my desk right now, the notes on my phone. Like I'm constantly jotting things down, which is why I think with journaling that like 
if I journal before bed and almost do like a brain dump, I can actually sleep. Okay, and back to the article. Tuning things out is another formidable task. William Dodson, MD, an adult ADHD specialist in Denver, writes that many people with ADHD have amplified senses, making it hard for us to block out stimulation. I hate shirt tags. I don't like being touched unexpectedly. Loud music in the morning stresses me out. I turn my phone upside down on my nightstand so I can't see the gently pulsing light as it charges. Ambient noise is my escape from nocturnal household sounds, ticking clocks are torture, and I live in fear of night owl neighbors with booming baritone voices. Even in winter, I would sleep with an oscillating fan facing the wall until my husband bought me a white noise machine. I feel like I was just saying that earlier with walking in silence. Like when I'm on my walks, like I'm such a music person and I love music more than anything and I love podcasts, but during the day, I'm in silence all the time. Sometimes classical music, but I I get overstimulated so easily. I've again, I guess I've always kind of attributed that to more so an anxiety thing than an ADHD thing. Say like in India, I didn't do well because it was sensory overload. I felt like I was doing like breathing exercises all like daily (laughs) because I thought I was going to like boil over and have a panic attack. Like it's just too much for me to handle. Like loud noises. If I'm like parallel parking, I have to turn off the music. Like anytime I need to concentrate on something, there cannot be other things. And honestly, I think that that is like part of my like aversion to kids sometimes. It's like I just can't deal with the noise levels. Like it it literally like shakes me to my core where I just feel like I need to like go lie down because I feel like I've been so overstimulated. And I've never, I just feel like I sound like a control freak. Anytime I'd say that like, oh my God, can you turn the music down? Like it's just like bothering me. And honestly, growing up, my mom was always the same way about like needing things to be silent. She sleeps with an oscillating fan still. It's like this turbo thing that it's essentially what they have in like gymnasiums <laughs> like high school, but this giant turbo fan that you can like hear from downstairs because she needs like that white noise. And I used to have to sleep with the fan. I can sleep actually in silence now, which is weird, but I I don't know. It's so weird. And I've until this article, I've never really like, heard anybody like talk about their like overstimulation and again I just kind of always thought it was because those things make me feel anxious when I'm overstimulated where I feel like panicked like sheer panic like when I'm overstimulated and like I just need to like go crawl in a dark hole and I've always attributed that to anxiety and not ADHD and so this um this was interesting but yeah it talks about I've developed good habits. I take medication. I make to-do lists every morning. My desk is plastered in sticky notes. I don't play music while I work. I'll just end up listening to it, which is so true. But my trusty fan helps muffle the sound and my brain arguing with itself. I keep pages upon pages of overlapping projects. It's literally me. Before I learned how to manage my time, deadlines would appear out of nowhere. And at the 11th hour, I'd find the motivation to turn out a final product in record time. Like that is literally my life. I've always been like that. And I've I've often felt like the hare keeping up with the tortoise, aimless, wandering, punctuated by frantic spurts of focused energy. I've learned to channel a common but counterintuitive feature of ADHD called hyperfocus. 
I sit down to work at 8.30 a.m. and suddenly it's 3.45 p.m. Normally this only happens to people with ADHD when they're doing something they enjoy, so it's a good sign that I like my job. Of course, it also means that my house looks like it was hit by a tornado and I often forget to eat lunch. Like that's so me. Like I talk about all the time that I'll just like forget to eat because I'm just like doing things. This whole thing, it's just still rereading this article. When I do get out of the zone, all of my unfocused thoughts clamor for attention. I'm not going to go through and read this whole article, but it just, you know, it talks about how your brain with ADHD sometimes can't like figure out the importance of things. So everything's one big pile of equal importance rather than figuring out what can wait, what needs to be addressed right now, what you can just forget about. And you just are trying to deal with like a million things at once. It also talks about how like motivation is like a chemical reaction and ADHD brains are really good at recognizing the things they want to do and the things they don't. And I've always talked about how I'm like 150% or 0%. Like there's no in between for me. But it talks about how the ADHD brain's reward pathway is off balance and it takes more dopamine for us to feel happy or satisfied. So that makes it difficult to muster the willpower to perform mundane tasks, even important ones, if they don't pack a big enough dopamine punch. It it just, I'm going to link to it. I highly recommend reading it. So that's the thing. I read all this and I'm like, dear God, yes, I need to fix this and work on this. But the medication to do so really, really, really heightens my anxiety. Because most ADHD medications are like stimulants, right? So, so I, I kind of feel like at a loss and I just have to go back to, you know, finding all the ways that I can find my calm, you know, through meditation, moving meditations, walk, baths, all of that. Yeah, it's very interesting. I'm not really sure what to make of it. But yeah, like where were we? I don't, it's hard to say. Like, again, I'm not an anxiety expert, even with talking with my therapist, you know, it's kind of like if you're curing one thing, you're kind of contributing to another. So that's just kind of where I stand with it and trying to do, trying to just put a lot of self-care and wellness routines into my day-to-day and working with my ADHD brain rather than against it and finding what works for me through trial and error and all of that so I can be a productive, functioning member of society. And I think on the topic of anxiety, it's worth kind of like touching on depression while we're here. I don't feel qualified to like really talk about depression because I don't think it's something I severely struggle with at all. I feel like I've had more so like depressive episodes that are usually triggered by something and it'll be more so like a month or at the most or, you know, even a few days or weeks of just kind of feeling off or feeling low. At this current juncture, I don't really want to take any medication, so I haven't really pressed the issue with my therapist, but there are definitely some days where, you know, when I am having like down days or even down weeks that I wonder if I'm just making things harder on myself than they need to be and if life would be so much easier if I was on some type of medicine, but I don't know. Some days I think I'm fine and other days I'm like, are you though? (laughs) It's hard to say, and I don't really have an answer for that, but, you know, and whether you're dealing with like very mild, you know, a little bit of a depressive episode or very severe anxiety, the 
it can feel kind of similar, you know, where you can't get out of bed and everything's overwhelming and you just feel like paralyzed and stuck. Obviously, something that's helped me in those really tough times is going to a therapist. But for me, going to the therapist, it's like going when it's good or I'm having good days and not just when I'm having bad days. Like I keep up with it consistently and having even that routine in place every two weeks to go see her or, you know, there were times when I was seeing her once a week when things were just, when I was struggling a little bit more than I am now and keeping that routine in place and that like having that support has been incremental for me. Also another thing which can feel like the hardest thing when you're having a hard time is getting out of the house and going to work out. But, you know, when you're working out, you're releasing endorphins and you're sweating and you're going to feel better, even if it's temporarily, but that's better than nothing. And if I know it's just like just getting there is the hardest part, but if you can force yourself to get outside, get to a workout you're going to like start to feel a little bit better, even if you don't want to. And obviously when you look good, you feel good. And when you, you know, you're bettering your body, that can like definitely help too. in some of those like lower points, if you look at it like that, but getting outside in nature, whether it's the lake walks um, and then spending time with people that make you feel good. That's hard because a lot of times I kind of go into more of this like seclusion when I'm not feeling a hundred percent. I'd like, don't really want to go out with my friends. I don't want to do all that. But if you can at times just force yourself to do that, once I'm with people that are, you know, lifting me up and like joyful to be around, I'll leave those interactions feeling a lot better than I did when I went there. And you know, if there's people in your life that are just a constant drain to be around, cutting them out. And you know, I think it can be tempting for some, you know, that when you are feeling super anxious or low. I've always been the type that's turned more so to wellness. I feel like when I'm going through times that are harder, I like don't even drink, which I'm very thankful for because I think that people can go the other way and turn to a lot of like substances or wine or alcohol to feel better. And I'm very fortunate that I've never taken that route because, you know, that can be like a dark downward spiral. And then, you know, with deep breathing and meditation, like I said before, like breathing exercises, a therapist like in college taught me, breathe in for four, hold for four, release for four. And that instantly will calm me down anytime I am having more of like an anxiety spiral. I feel like I'm doing breathing exercises all the live long day. I am constantly doing it. Even when I'm working out, I'm counting my breaths. And obviously that's a huge part of meditation too. Like I feel like to stay calm for me throughout the day, I'm constantly doing that. And on the topic of catching your anxiety, you know, when it is time to kind of do some breathing exercises and things like that, my therapist and I were talking about, you know, me catching my anxiety sooner because there are so many times where I think like, oh my gosh, I'm starting to feel anxious but in all actuality, I'm probably at like a seven when that happens. So I try to be more aware of the signs, like what does my three, four, and five look like so I can catch it there before it gets to the seven when I'm like, holy shit, I need to like take some deep breaths. And it can be clenching your jaw. I'll pick at my fingers with my nails. 
be messing with my hair. You start to kind of pick up on more of like your body signs that you are feeling anxious. And if I can unspiral myself from those points, it takes a lot less longer than when I'm at like a seven or eight and I'm like, oh my God, starting to breathe heavy. And you know, you're like getting to that like panic state. I think that that is also key for me. And I guess just one last thing that seems so kind of like base level and a little bit woo woo and kind of like also no shit, but it's just trying to find joy even within the anxious moments. Like if you take India, for example, when it was bringing on a lot of anxiety and anxious feelings with just the overstimulation and the crazy experiences and things going wrong with travel and all of that, taking a few deep breaths and just what can I be joyful about in this moment and not just like getting through it, but enjoying it. What can I be grateful for? What small things can bring me joy even in these more so anxious times? And even on a smaller level too, you know, lately since I've been going to bed earlier and getting up earlier, when I have plans at night, I feel a little anxious about it. Like, am I going to get home on time? Am I going to be going to bed too late? Then am I going to wake up too late tomorrow? And I start to kind of spiral. If I just take some deep breaths and focus on just enjoying the moment right now, you know, in India, enjoying what I'm doing. I get to be here and witness my friends getting married in India. I get to be with my other friends. I'm experiencing a new culture. There's delicious food. It is warmer here than it is in Chicago even things on like a very small scale. And, you know, then if it's plans with your friends at night when you might be anxious about getting home late or going to bed late, then waking up late, et cetera, et cetera, just taking a step back and just being in the here, in the now, and just truly being mindful and not thinking so much about the future and worrying and just simply take a few deep breaths and think like what, will bring me joy in this moment. And if you just kind of focus on more of like the joyful things, I feel like it really kind of helps me curb the anxiety spirals in those moments. Okay, it's getting to be about that time to wrap up the rambling. Like I said, I'm not the expert here. I don't have all the answers. I highly encourage you to talk to your doctor or therapist or figure out the systems and trial and error to find what works for you, but just in nature of the podcast and what I'm aiming to do here is talk about the things that aren't always talked about, even though I don't always have the answers. Most of the time I don't have the answers, but I can share my experience, what's helped me and what I'm currently working through. I think it's so important to talk about the struggles that a lot of us are facing on a daily basis that not everyone is talking about and sometimes it can feel isolating alone when you're going through something or experiencing something that it doesn't seem like everyone else is experiencing because more often than not more people are going through it alongside of you we're just all kind of silently suffering at times so if this episode didn't resonate at all for you I'm sorry you're probably not even still listening at this point but just be thankful that you don't struggle with anxiety and apparently ADHD either. But yeah, if this did somehow resonate, I hope that maybe you found a new tool that might work for you in managing it or 
just want to take some steps to being able to manage, you know, anxiety, stress, and a crazy monkey mind in your day-to-day life. So that's it for me this week. I'll see you guys next Tuesday. 